Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we are back in the studio, and we are losing our co-hosts like crazy. They're like dropping off. Are we that bad? Do we, we stink are. or something? Yeah, it is. It is <laughs> something to that effect. Pastor Phil is out of the studio today. He's being a good pastor because he has pastoral issues, and then Pastor Jonathan had to go attend to some meetings. So it's just me and Russ. We are we apologize ahead of time for any problems that we cause you. Yes. So we are looking at post-resurrection appearances. On yesterday's program, we started looking at the road to Emmaus, uh, those disciples who were walking and Jesus met them on the road. They didn't know that it was Jesus. And uh, Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? And he, they, they say, are you the only one in uh, Jerusalem that doesn't know what has happened? I, I know that you're studying this for this coming Sunday. When I preach this passage, I actually think they're kind of insulting Jesus here. Um, I mean, because like, where have you been? It'd be a bit like asking, what's this dropping into 2021? What's this COVID thing that everybody's talking about? Yeah, it would be exactly the same thing. If you if you think about um, what happened in Jerusalem with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, this was no ordinary event. Um, Jesus had celebrity status. Um, if you want to talk about it that way. He had a huge following. It was a big deal, him coming into Jerusalem. The crowd welcomed him, um, thinking he was the king coming. Um, and then all of a sudden, the, the events transpired that led to his, his crucifixion. So this this would have been something that would have been, quote unquote, world news. And all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. I, I'm not sure I'm following what all of this is, and, is about. And he, he takes, so they're basically kind of saying, are you that dense, you know? And Jesus just takes it. I mean, I think it's interesting to see the responses back and forth of Jesus and his disciples, and I think that's one of them that's noteworthy. And I, and I think there's a principle here. Jesus is asking questions. He does not need to allow them to kind of dictate where the conversation goes. But I think this is actually one uh, an extremely important evangelistic tool that we need to maybe sometimes talk less and ask more, mm-hmm. um, allow people to reveal where they're at. Yeah. So he gets them to start talking by saying, what things? Yeah. And if you look in the New Testament, um, one author, I think it was J.I. Packer in his book, Grounded by the Gospel, he called Jesus the the catechesis, the, the, the catechizer, because if you look at the, the amount of statements versus the amount of questions that Jesus asks in the Gospels, Jesus asks a ton of questions. T- to your point, mm-hmm. the reason why questions are so important is because it draws out of the heart of the person that you're speaking to what's in there. You know, that's why the Proverbs talk about how uh, the wise man is the one who who draws from the deep waters of a man's heart. So that's what's happening. Um, so then, as you said on yesterday's show, they they give a very they give a pretty good Christology about what Jesus had accomplished, but they were f- doubting something fundamental. 
And what they're doubting is what the word had actually said, what the prophets had said. So um, they had a partial picture. And that's why Jesus' question to them is so helpful, because they reveal what they truly believed about the Messiah. And it's at that point that Jesus can say, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer? And it begins with the whole, oh, foolish ones. Yes. Um, You've been really good lately about saying, hey, we shouldn't be too hard on the disciples. Um, I want to give a an opposite view real quick because I want to apply it to our own hearts. Yep. Uh, Ma- Matthew Henry, when he's talking about this passage, um, he, he essentially said, uh, one cannot be but amazed at the stupidity of these disciples. But then let's apply it to ourselves. So they don't, they didn't have the New Testament. They had the old. Uh, yes, they were um, they didn't believe Jesus's testimony. They didn't believe the scriptures that they did have. We have so much more. And yet how often do we functionally act like the resurrection didn't happen? Mm-hmm. Like we, we know the resurrection yep. happened yep. and then we live our lives often as uh, functionally denying it because we're discouraged. We're, we're fighting in that battle between faith and fear and we become stupid at times. Well, how often do we live below our union with Christ in all that it entails, resurrection included. And I can imagine that there are times when when God is saying, oh, foolish ones, yeah, don't you know who you are in Christ Jesus? What's true about you, that you died with him, that you rose with him, that you've ascended with him, that you have the forgiveness of sins in him. And nothing can ever make those things untrue. That's right. You lost your job, you're you're, you're spiritual, spouse dies, God forbid, your health is awful. Those are all hard trials, but those things can never make your union with Christ untrue. And how often do we live knowing that it's true, but not living as if it's true? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really where we find these two on the road. I'm convinced that as Jesus works his way through the scriptures— He is not revealing to them any text that they don't know. Mm -hmm. But he is providing the true Christ-centered interpretation of the text that in their humanness they hadn't seen. Yeah. Um, So it's not new truth in the fact that, I mean, my guess is every story, every example, everything that Jesus said, they would say, yep, I know that text. Yeah but they didn't know it in the Christ-centered way that Jesus taught it. Yeah. You know, I, I told, when I preached this uh, message to the congregation, I said, this is the best sermon that we never heard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I'm, and if you think about the distance, they're traveling seven miles. We don't know if Jesus met him right away. Um, it seems like maybe he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're probably talking somewhere like two hours mm-hmm. of a journey. If you're walking briskly. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends on this, you know, I guess I got really short legs. (laughs) So if me and you were walking, you'd probably have to go a little bit slower. (laughs) So I'm imagining that, that Jesus, because the text says beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Mm -hmm. he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Yeah. I don't get the sense that Jesus is in a hurry. Yeah. That he is methodically going through. Yeah. The Old Testament. Yeah. Passage after passage after passage. Yeah. 
Um, well, I think the key word is all, uh, at least. Uh, so he says, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all mm-hmm. that the prophets have spoken. They believed many things that the scripture had said. They, they right. believed that Jesus was going to conquer the nations with a rod of iron, Psalm chapter two. They, they believed that Jesus was the son of David. Uh, they believed a lot of things about the Christ, but they didn't believe all that the scripture said about the Christ, namely his sufferings and his his resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so you, you can imagine the text that he was going to take them through to demonstrate that one had to come and die, whether that's the, you know, I, I'm assuming he starts in Genesis 3. Yeah. And then moves from there and, and reveals, okay, this is what you see in the life of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Genesis 22. Yeah. Um, this is what we see in the life of Joseph. Mm-hmm. This is what we see in the life of 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 Moses in the Exodus. Mm-hmm. Do you understand the Passover lamb? Yeah. Do you understand the Day of Atonement? Do you understand the Day of Atonement? Yeah. yeah. And, and every in every one of those portraits, again, things that they would have known. Yeah. He 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 reveals the true spiritual meaning underneath. Uh, I'm in I'm in First Corinthians right now. I know you're familiar with like chapter 10 where it talks about uh, these things happened as an example mm-hmm. uh, for you. And that word in the Greek is tupos. It's where we get the word type. Yep. Uh, do you want to talk real quickly about the, the theology of type and anti-type? Because that's essentially what Jesus is doing in this passage. He is. So every one of the Old Testament, so we're not there quite yet, but at the end of, of 24 you also have this idea um, that everything in the Old Testament is about Jesus Christ. So when we talk about the sacrificial system, that's a type of Christ, that Christ is the reality. These things are simply a shadow, a reflection of um, the reality in Christ that all of these things were given to point towards him. Um, and so that's we, the real story underneath all the stories. Yes. So we tend to think of, um, let's just take one example, um, the Passover as the reality. And what the scriptures are saying is, no, that's actually the shadow. Yeah. That That's actually what is being used to point towards the real thing. And the apostle John got this. Yes. Like as uh, he writes his uh, gospel in the first chapter, mm-hmm. um, he records John the Baptist saying, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Why is he talking? Why is he saying Jesus is a lamb? Mm-hmm. Well, because his audience is Jewish. They would have immediately understood. Oh, wait a second. That Passover lamb issue wasn't about the lamb, it was about a person? Yep. Yes. And that's how we're supposed to read the entire Old Testament. Um, it's the gospel in the Old Testament. And that's why some people kind of lop off the Old Testament. Um, think about this. Jesus gives this multiple-hour sermon, and his text for teaching about himself is simply the Old Testament. Um, we could learn something there. Yeah. Um, we can learn that we don't need to get rid of the Old Testament. We need to go back and read it in a Christ-centered way. Mm-hmm. We need to see Christ in um, 
the book of Ezra or Nehemiah or Esther or Ruth or mm-hmm. whatever. Or, or Samson. I mean, I, I love the language that's been said by other pastors. Uh, Jesus is the true and better Joseph or the true and better Daniel. Samson. Think about Samson. I, and I think it's sometimes it's it may be more difficult to see Jesus and Samson because of his particular life. But what did Samson do at the end of his life? He, of course, uh, repented. And, and what happened? In his last act of judgment, he killed God's... Uh, he killed Israel's enemies and it cost him his life. Mm-hmm. He rescued God's people at the expense of his own life. Jesus is the true and better Samson. Mm-hmm. And you can do that with every single major character in the Bible. And admittedly, sometimes people have not done this well or they overread into the text. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about the scarlet thread out the window of Rahab, of Rahab you know, I, I'm not convinced that we're supposed to read anything into the color. Um, and there are a lot of people that have read a lot into the color. Sure. Um, so I think we can overdo it, but I think historically, at least right now, the church in the United States is underdoing it. Yeah. Because we've cut off the Old Testament from the New. I mean, That's right. Popular voices are saying that Andy Stanley is talking about unhitching the Old Testament. And unfortunately, our, our, our dispensational brothers and sisters, they, they see the Bible as part one and part two and... Or, or people of God one and people of God two, and that's a very unhelpful way of looking at the scripture. Yeah, and so this is the one sermon that I always wish I had heard, where I could hear Christ's way of interpreting the Old Testament. But I think I have pieces of it in the New Testament mm-hmm. as I read the works of the apostles. I think what they're doing is they're picking up on what Jesus showed them here and and later on in in Luke 24 of how are we supposed to read and interpret and apply the Old Testament. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. 